Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Cornerstone Church. Good morning. Yeah, thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I was just thinking how uh, you guys see me set this little thing out here all the time. And, you know, until you're up here speaking, you don't realize how important it is that you set these uh, correctly. If I set it this way, I'm bound to trip. And first, I was just thinking about that. I'm like, I better not trip up here today. Oh, I, di- I diverge. Hey, uh, you know, it's Thanksgiving coming up, and I, I thought about you guys this morning. I, obviously, I think about you all a lot. I pray for you, and I'm extremely thankful for this congregation and for you as individuals. As I look out and I think about the wonderful people I've had the chance to get to know or just know, meet today, um, and I am so thankful for you. I thank you for giving me the privilege of, of fulfilling God's mission in my life here at Cornerstone Church, just giving me an opportunity. Um, as you'll hear me uh, share a little bit more about that in a minute, you know, this is the culmination of many years of of prayer and fasting and asking the Lord to open up a door. And so you guys opened the door and gave me a call. And so I, I so appreciate you. And I appreciate the wonderful things that, that uh, we've been able to do as a congregation in the last two and a half years, the changes that have been made and the, the, the growth that, that we've experienced. And so thank you for participating in it. Um, you may think it a small thing uh, to, that um, you're at, like just attendance and participation and coming to worship with me uh, may, may seem very, very small, but it is very huge. I, I can tell you I'd feel quite lonely if I was the only one up here, you know what I'm saying? So thank you so much, uh, and thank you for your patience and putting up with me there, here and there. So, uh, hey, we are in a series titled uh, Unstoppable. We're moving through the book of Acts, and uh, we're l- looking at the unstoppable movement of God's Holy Spirit as he birth the church and then continue to move the disciples, the apostles, and, and the followers of Christ forward, uh, not only uh, as they took the, the, the gospel from the upper room where they initially met, but out into the streets and then into that surrounding country and onward into the rest of Asia Minor, and eventually, by the time you get to the end of Acts, it's all the way uh, into Rome. Thank you very much, honey. Appreciate it. Thank you. And so, last week we looked at changes that God's grace made in Saul. And we talked about how uh, there's some parallels between his life and Ananias' life and our own, and how God's grace changed, changes our mission, changes our perspective, and also changes our attitude towards unbelievers. And so, how many of you were here last week for that? Amen. I've, I know I've, I've been praying about that this week. Lord, just continue to work on my mission and my perspective. Help me to see what you see. But if you remember from last week, in order to see what God sees, what must be true? You must value what God values because you will always see what you value, both in yourself and in other people. You notice what's important to you. And so until you see through what God, until you value what God values, you're not going to see what he, he sees both in yourself and others. Um, and so today that brings us to where we're at. Um, as I mentioned, God's grace changes our mission. Now, it may come as a surprise to you, but God has a mission for each one of us. And so we're, today we're going to be looking at God's mission through us. Speaking of mission... How many of you have been on a missions trip? 
Been on a mission trip? Oh, good. Okay. Fantastic. About halfway through the sermon, I'm going to give you an opportunity to turn and talk and share about your experience. And for those of you who have not been on a mission trip, who's that? Who's not been on a mission trip? And that's okay. How many of you would like to go on a mission trip eventually? Yeah? Cool. So I'm going to give you a chance to share maybe where you would like to go, what you would like to do, and if you have an interest in participating in a, in a missions trip here through Cornerstone Church. We have a few missionaries uh, that would, both in, let's see, Barcelona, Marseille, and Haiti, that I think would be open to having us bring a team. So if you're interested in that, when we get to that time, you come and say, hey, just let me know if that gets together because I'd, I'd like to find out more. I went on a missions trip. It's been quite a few years. I went on a missions trip when I was probably 21 in between college semesters, I went on a mission trip to Costa Rica. I spent an entire summer there, probably 10, 11 weeks. Uh, my uncle and aunt were missionaries there. And so I, I joined in and, and I kind of started some of my own things. I did like backyard Bible club type work with children and their, their families all over the, uh, the, the capital city of Costa Rica is San Jose. And so in the suburbs there, boy, I, I mean, there's some places where I, I was uh, appalled at, at people's living conditions, you know, like um, just the, the, it's just amazing where people live. Uh, in Costa Rica, it's not uncommon to have uh, people, uh, like a lot of, lots of squatters, you know, they just build, they grab whatever materials they can find and they literally build these houses that are probably not quite as nice as your shed, but that's kind of where they live. And they, I would go into these communities and I would deliver food and, 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 and teach Bible lessons. And uh, there's some, uh, several very funny stories from that experience. I, I did, I did, I don't as much anymore, but I did speak Spanish at that time. This is almost 19 years ago. And, but I would also rely on a translator as well, like, like Google Translate or something like that, right? And so one time I was there and that whole summer, the Lord put in my heart to teach the people about, uh, about giving, and so I, the lesson for that day, I found a, 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 a verse in Proverbs, and it talks about how, you know, if you give, you'll be blessed. This is the English version. If you give, you'll be blessed, but if you don't give, you'll be cursed. Well, I translated that, right? And so I went in, and I'm talking, and I'm very passionate, and there's like probably 30 kids and their moms, and they're sitting around me, and I'm just encouraging the, the give, you know, and if you have two of these, you know, and someone doesn't have any, just, you know, maybe you should give. And, and God says, you know, if you give, you'll be blessed. But if you don't give, you'll be cursed. Well, the word for cursed that I translated in Spanish is really the F word. And, and so I, I said it with all the passion of my heart. And I said, if you don't, if you do give, you'll be blessed. But if you don't give, you'll be effed. And they went, oh my gosh, this guy is serious. He is so serious. And the, my cousin who was there, she looked at me and she said, what'd you say? And I said it again. And she said, don't say that. And I said, what? And I said it again. And she's like, don't say that. And so those kids went home. Man, they got the message that day though. They got the message. They were like pouring out their pocket. I better give right now. I give right now. And so um, that was a very, that was, that was funny. I, I enjoyed my time there. And so, you know, as I, I haven't been on a missions trip um, since then. I haven't been invited on one. <laughs> Maybe there's a reason for that, okay? Um, but, you know, we look at even, you know, we look at missions 
as being like that, like these short-term mission trips. So, you know, that's what in our minds oftentimes we have is our, that's our mission, you know, and then we come home, we get really amped for that, and then we come home, but our mindset changes some because now we're, we don't see our everyday life as followers of Christ here in Parker or Castle Rock or Elizabeth as being quite that is exciting, right? And, and so our mindset shifts. And so I'm challenging you and I today to take more of that I'm on a mission trip attitude into our daily life and into this season of outreach as we elevate our, our just consciousness, our aware, awareness of the needs around us as we pray and give and serve and invite people. You know, let, I'm asking us to elevate our, our, our awareness of that and, and, and have more of that mission trip attitude, not only during the season of outreach, but come January 1st to take that more into our everyday life as we move forward. And so we're going to learn um, a few things from Paul's first missionary trip. This is going to be in Acts, end of Acts 11, Acts 13 and 14. We're going to be uh, looking at a few verses. So um, <clears throat> if you would turn over to there, let's take a look. We're going to answer some questions today. That's, a, by the way, a picture of Costa Rica there. We're going to answer a question uh, today about God's mission for us. Uh, what are the prerequisites for our mission? What is the catalyst for our mission? What can we expect as we fulfill our mission? And then how do we continue moving forward despite opposition? So let's start with uh, in Acts chapter 11, uh, verses 24 through 26. Let's look at those together. Acts chapter 11, verses 24 through 26. Speaking of Barnabas. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. Let's look at that again. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. And it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. So in these verses, Paul and Barnabas had, have not yet been called on, say, a missions trip, but they have been called to a mission. I would say more of their everyday or week-to-week mission. And so what qualified them, what prerequisites existed for them uh, and made them eligible to be uh, considered for this type of work? And we see those answers right here in these verses. Notice that it says he, they were good. Specifically, it mentions that Barnabas was good. Go to the next slide, guys. Uh, notice it says that Barnabas was good. He was full of the Spirit, strong in faith. And then there was this, this general willingness to help believers. I see that in Saul. Saul went back to his, his hometown of Tarsus, and he was willing to come with Barnabas. Uh, someone who he'd, he'd known just for a little while and gone to a strange city and, and work with, with the people there in Antioch. And so I look at this and I say, these are still true today. These prerequisites are still true for us today. When I consider uh, people that, that are willing to help, willingness to help is good, but, but being, having these other first three things is, is better. Because there's a lot of people that are willing to help, but they're not 
good, whether maybe they're not good at what they do or maybe they're just not godly people. They don't have the, the character required to, for a Christian type work. Uh, maybe it, whether that be a, a missions trip, whether that be their everyday mission as a Christian, there's still some character stuff that they've got to work on. Um, maybe they're willing, but they're not full of the Spirit. They're not uh, spending time in, in God's presence and asking the Holy Spirit to help them overcome those natural tendencies. Unfortunately, these days there are far too many what uh, Chuck Swindoll calls carnal Christians. They're, they're people that profess faith in Christ, but they don't act like Christ. And so we think about that. Think about being full of the Spirit. That's a prerequisite. Having the Holy Spirit influence your life. And then lastly, being strong in the faith. How can someone, even someone who's willing to help others, how can they help others be strong or strengthen other people's faith when, faith when they themselves are not strong in the faith, right? And so you've got to We've got to prepare ourselves before, to be, we ought to help ourselves before we can uh, properly help others. And so I think about my own life and I think about just even the, the, the preparation and the prerequisites I had to meet to become a pastor and how there was this uh, Bible study. I think I counted like 30, 33 different Bible courses I had to take. Jamie had to do something very similar um, we had to do internships and have practical experiences, like a two-year gap between, you know, when we were certified and licensed and then ordained. There was all this time of proving and that we had to show that we had consistent character and that we would, that just to become eligible for a work like pastoring here at Cornerstone Church. And, and so we had to have these basic things. And, uh, what about you? I, I realize that not most... Uh, many people are not called the pastoral ministry, and you know that's that's fine, right? But are you prepared to minister in your community? Are you prepared to minister at work? Think about this for a second. Are you good? Are you good? Uh, maybe are you? Do you have a good reputation? Because your reputation precedes you. If you come into the season of outreach and you're passing out invites and you're talking about the Lord, but the you know the other. Uh, 11 months, it's been a real struggle to exhibit Christ-like character in your workplace. How much do you think people are going to really receive that? Probably not a whole lot, right? And so we need to, or you need to, get that going, get that prepared. Uh, are you full of the Spirit? I think it's essential uh, for you to have the Spirit's influence as you go and you talk with people. It's, it's essential for you to be strong in your faith for all the reasons I've already mentioned. And so are you prepared to fulfill God's mission in your life? Not just in the season of outreach. But, you know, this is just a four-week window. I'm talking about come January 1st, are you prepared to fulfill whatever mission God has for you? Because he has one for you, Right? How many of you know God has a mission for you? Has something, an assignment, an aim, an ambition that he has for you. But to, for you to be successful in it, you better have those prerequisites met, I would say. What about us as a congregation? Are we prepared? Are we prepared for our mission? God has a mission for Cornerstone Church. I would say yes. I, I was thinking about our congregation and the preparations we've done the last two and a half years. The board, the directors, and I, we have been working to position our congregation for growth. You know, you can't make 
people come to church. You can't make people come to know the Lord. You can't make people be water baptized or filled with the Spirit or any of these, these things. You can only create the conditions where someone might want to do that, right? And our aim is to make Cornerstone Church the very best church experience any of you have ever had. And so and I'm, I'm, we're working on that. And so if you have ideas on how we can do that better, please let me know. But that's what we're aiming for. We're trying to create, create those conditions. I would say that something that's still missing is uh, I need a group leader. We need a group leader for college-age people. College-age people. We've had a few come in in that you know, 18, 19-year-old to 22, 23 window, and we don't have anybody that is available right now. And so pray with me that someone, that would be laid on someone's heart, that God would send someone in with that passion for that age group specifically. Because I, there's a, there's a need for that. I, I, I remember being that age and you do too. And, you know, having a group of Christian believers, that's going to really strengthen your faith. And so other than that, I think that we're pretty set up, but be praying with me for that. Speaking of, of uh, college students, I got a question for you. If the pilgrims traveled on the Mayflower, what do college students travel on? Scholarships. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. I appreciate that laugh. All right, all right, all right. Enough of that. Enough of that. Okay. So once we meet the prerequisites for Christian uh, mission, are we and we're prepared for our assignment? What kickstarts our mission? What gets it going? Go to Acts chapter thirteen. Okay, and here we see Paul and Barnabas. They are commissioned. In fact, my Bible has a, that in the heading. Paul, Barnabas and Saul are commissioned. Let's read those together, verses 1 through 5. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menaean, and Saul. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and they sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. And so we see here, this is where their first missionary journey actually began. But what kick-started it? What got them going in the first place? You will notice a few things. You will notice that they were worshiping, they were praying, and they were fasting. And out of this this time of uh, just in the Lord's presence, praying and fasting and worshiping, the Holy Spirit spoke. And then after a little more prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit sent them. And the people involved in the situation, those that were called, they obeyed and they went and those that were uh, like supporting them, they you know prepared whatever materials. I, I can't imagine they just kind of walked out the door and said, okay, we're going on our journey. They needed a little bit of money. They needed some preparations, things for food and, and things to pack. And I'm, I imagine their church at Antioch helped them prepare and support them. This is not much different than what we did for Austin and Heather Shower uh, several years ago as they felt called to go and, and minister in, in Asia. Uh, they came right out of this congregation, and we still support them to this day. They obeyed. The Holy Spirit spoke. They obeyed and went, and now we, we support them. We help them uh, as they go. Same with uh, Nathan and Yucca Williams. Yucca, thank you. I always say that. Yucca Williams. You know, God spoke to them. They went, and we, we help them. We support them. 
So I believe that this is generally how our mission it, it starts today. It starts with a time of prayer. It starts with fasting. It starts with being in the Lord's presence, worshiping Him and allowing Him to speak to us. I know that's exactly how it happened for me. I spent uh, many years praying uh, through, through my 30s, praying and, and fasting, not like for years, just like a little bit at a time, all right? <laughs> I wanted to make sure I clarified that, okay? All right, um, it's praying, fasting, in the Lord's presence, worshiping and asking God, Lord, put me on mission. Give me an opportunity to, to serve in this capacity. And then finally that, that call came and then, then I went, I responded. And, uh, but what about you? Maybe you're sitting here today and you're going, you know what? I don't know what my mission is. I hear you, Pastor Mike. You have given me an assignment. You've given me this, this assignment, uh, or Taylor has given us this assignment for uh, the season of outreach to invite three, to pray for three, to give to three, uh, to serve in one way. That's your mission, okay? I'm just telling you as your pastor, that is, that's your short-term mission for the next four weeks, okay? But, you know, you're thinking, well, should I go on a mission trip? Yeah, and that's a good thing to pray about. But more importantly, come January 1st, what is your mission? What does God want you to accomplish in 2020? What assignment or aim or ambition does he want to plant in your heart? And you may be sitting here and going, I don't, I don't really know. I know I should, you know, just be a good witness everywhere I go. But is there something specific that God wants you to do? I would say yes. I would say that there's something that he wants you to do, but you're not going to be in a position to find out what that is until you spend some time praying, fasting, and worshiping, getting in God's presence. And when you're in God's presence, I believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, hey, you know what? I I want you to do this. And then he will send you. And as you go, you will feel his presence with you. So that's my encouragement for you today. If you haven't started uh, praying and fasting and thinking about it that way, uh, I, I want you to do so, so that when January 1st comes, you are, you are ready to go. Now, a lot of times when you and I hear stuff like that, we think, oh, the pastor's calling me, or the Holy Spirit's calling me to sacrifice. We look at our mission for the Lord as a sacrifice. Oh, man, you know, to to. to to pray or to give, you know, or do something during the season of outreach, what a sacrifice, or to, to, to serve the Lord or go on a mission trip, what a sacrifice, you know, there's so much more I could do with that time or money or energy. But someone once said, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? And when I read that, I thought, that's really good. Our heavenly king is, has commissioned us. He's given us an assignment, not just for the season of outreach, but for our lives come 2020. And so what is that? And when he gives it to us, let us not consider it a sacrifice, but let us consider it an honor to be a part of what he is doing in our community. If you believe that, can you say amen? Amen. Well, right now I want to give you a chance to turn and talk. I told you I would, I would do this. And some of you have been on a mission trip, some of you have not been. And so I want to give you a chance to talk about that. Uh, if you've been on a mission trip, go ahead and go to the next slide, guys. If you, uh, these are pictures of John and uh, Cindy Carano. They're in Barcelona. Uh, and at their, this is a picture of their, their missions work that they're doing there. Um, they're doing amazing, amazing work, which is one of the reasons why we, we support them. But if you've ever been on a missions trip, 
Where did you go? What did you do? What did you learn? And what was your favorite part? I want you to share that with someone around you. And then uh, if you've not been on a mission trip, where would you like to go and what would you like to do? And if you're interested, third thing, if you're interested in going on a short-term mission trip through Cornerstone Church, just come on up and let me know. I'll quickly jot your name down. And as we get planning that, I'll be sure to let you know about it. Okay? So stand up on your feet. Stretch out for a second. I'm going to give you about three minutes to do that. Go ahead, start sharing. Start finding people around you, across the aisle, in the back of the church, front of the church. All right, I'll give you about 15 seconds to wrap up your stories and make your way back to your seat. (sighs) Amen. Amen. I like to do that. I like to do that. So we talked about the prerequisites for mission. The fact that God has a mission for each and every one of us. Something that he wants us to accomplish. Even for, even for our youth. Even for our children. What is God going to lay on their hearts as well? Just something. You'd, you'd be surprised at how God speaks to to children and to youth. I think a lot of times they don't have the inhibitions that, that adults have. And, and so they are sometimes more willing to respond and, and, and help than adults are. You believe that? I know that, that that can be true sometimes in my own children. And so we see the prerequisites for Christian mission. We know that God has something for us to do, but we've got to be prepared to go and do it. And we know that that mission, the catalyst for our mission, is born out of a time of prayer and fasting in, in worship, just being in God's presence. And then as he speaks to us and he sends us, then we, we go out and others uh, support uh, us as we, as we go. Now, the third question is, what can we expect as we are fulfilling our mission? What can we expect? Let's look at Acts chapter 13, uh, verses 42 through 45. Acts chapter 13 Verses 42 through 45. So it says, As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds... They were jealous. So they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. So what can we expect? We can expect as we go forth, there will be people that are genuinely interested in, in what we are sharing. Uh, there will be seekers, people who want to know more, but there will also be slanderers. And if you read it, uh, back a little bit here in chapter 13, you'll even see Paul and Barnabas encountered a sorcerer. So they encountered demonic opposition as well as uh, just human opposition people trying to hinder them and, and, and stop them at every turn, try to just slow them down. In fact, uh, if you read a little bit farther up into uh, chapter 14, you'll see that uh, Paul was even stoned uh, in the town of Lystra. He was stoned and then left to die. 
they thought he was dead and they came and, and he, obviously he wasn't, thank God he wasn't. But they encountered all sorts of opposition as they moved forward. And you know, I believe the same is true for you and I. For us as a congregation as well as individuals, we are going to face some opposition. Hopefully none of us are ever stoned and I don't mean that lightly. I just mean may we never encounter that sort of physical persecution. I know that there are Christians in other parts of the world that are being stoned. They are being beheaded. They are being um, tortured in all sorts of terrible ways because of their faith and because of the work that they're doing. So uh, may we never encounter that and we pray uh, uh, for, for help for them uh, and, and, and for what they're going through, right? But we have to realize that, that the devil and ungodly people are not going to be happy about us propagating the gospel. They're not going to be happy about us going into our everyday life or into the holiday season when everybody else is focused on getting, right? And we're coming in with a giving attitude or we come into January 1st, 2020 with a, a more of a, a, like we're local missionary mindsets. We come in looking for ways to pray and give and serve wherever God puts us. People, not everybody's going to be happy about that. Not everybody's going to be happy about that. I remember even just going into my workplace. When I was, Lord help me, when I was younger, I would, I would almost feel compelled as if, if I did not witness or do something um, for the Lord every single day, I, like, I couldn't even hardly go to bed. I wish I still felt as strongly about that as I did when I was 20, 21, 22, when I was that age. You know, I, I've, I would go in and I would even have people at my workplace, you say, you know, hey, you know what? Everybody's not excited about this like you are, you know? Not everybody's excited about this like you are, you know? And, you know, it's been a while since I've had someone tell that to me. You know, I'm, I'm always open and willing to talk about the gospel, and I live my life as a light, and, and, and you know, I'm doing other things, like as a pastor, to help. But Lord, help me to have that attitude again, that more of that missionary mindset. What about you? Did you ever go through a period of your life like that where you were just, man, it was like on your brain. It was like in your consciousness that, Lord, today give me an opportunity to witness. Has that faded? Has it been a while since someone has said, you know what, can you just stop? You know, can you just stop? You know, hey, and so I'm challenging, challenging us. And so we see Paul and Barnabas they, they encountered some opposition as, as they moved forward. And you and I, and we as a congregation, we will encounter some opposition, maybe even during the season of outreach or some hindrances or some hang-ups. There's going to be things that come in our way, whether it, it may not always be d demonic or it may not be human opposition, but just make things that just, oh man, things aren't just working like we thought they would. How are we going to continue to move forward despite every kind of opposition or hindrances that we face? And this is where we pick up. Let's go to uh, verse 46, please. 1346. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews, but since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad. And thank the Lord for his message, and all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. And so the Lord's message uh, spread throughout that region. And so here's my advice to you, based on what Paul and Barnabas experienced. I would say that to, 
to continue moving forward despite opposition, you and I need to go where we and our message are celebrated. Okay? Not everybody's going to be thrilled about our mission. Not everybody's going to want to support us, and that's okay. But that does not mean that you and I need to bang our heads against a wall trying to cram the gospel down somebody's throat that doesn't even want it, doesn't want to hear it. Look what Paul and Barnabas said. They just said, okay, we'll go to the people who do. We'll go to the people that do. And in verse 8, those people were the Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And when they heard it, when they heard that Paul and Barnabas were going to go where they were celebrated, they were very glad and they thanked the Lord. And so the mission continued. Look at verse 49. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. They didn't try to force something down the Jews' throat that they didn't want. They said, okay, you don't want this? We'll go where to the people who that do. And I'm thinking about this in terms of our season of outreach. I'm thinking about this in terms of, you know, more broadly in terms of like January 1st and when we get to what does the Lord have for us next year. I'm thinking this season of outreach. You know, you take three, you take ten of those little invite cards. Nine out of 10 people might throw them things in the garbage. And I want you to know that that is okay. I, in fact, I kind of expect it, right? I kind of expect it. I understand that not everybody is, one, interested in, in, in Christianity, even finding about it. Not everybody's interested in Cornerstone Church. But unless we pass them out, nobody will know, right? Unless Paul and Barnabas said, okay, you don't want to hear, let's move on to the people who did, their message would have stopped right there. Had they not gone where they were celebrated, had they not continued to spread the the gospel message, their mission would have failed, right? And so when I think about you and I and our mission in the season of outreach and and then beyond and, and the things that we're trying to accomplish as a congregation or the things that God wants to accomplish, you may encounter opposition even in your own home. You may encounter opposition from your coworkers. You may encounter opposition from neighbors. But when you do, you have to understand that they are just just a few people of all the people in Parker and all the people in the world that that would possibly respond. And I'm telling you right now that someone out there needs your mission. Someone out there needs an invitation to a Christmas Eve service because they might be sitting home, getting drunk, feeling sad and lonely, and they need some place to go. Do you know what I'm saying? And somebody needs your mission. Somebody needs an invitation. There's people that need gifts. Not everybody's going to appreciate the gifts that we give them. But there are people that do, and we're going to find them. We're not going to be, uh, let our mission fail because you know, some or most even don't want anything to do with Christ or don't any, want anything to do with what we're offering. Last I checked, there's a whole bunch of people moving to Parker and a whole bunch of people that need Jesus. And so we are going to continue moving forward. You are going to continue moving forward. Two things come to my mind. Look at 1351. Look at 1351. Or look at, just look at 50 with me. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they, Paul and Barnabas, shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and then went to the town of Iconium. And the believers there were filled with, the joy, with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Two things come to my mind when I read this verse, or came to my mind when I read this verse, this whole shaking off the dust. I thought of Taylor Swift's song, Shake It Off. I love that song. Do you got a clip of that? 
No? Find me a clip of that. Give me a jingle. I love that. How many of you know this song? I love this. That's good. Now you're going to be singing this in your head. I stay up too late and all this stuff. You're going to be hearing that now. You're not even going to listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, the second thing that comes to my mind is Jesus' words. Uh, Mark 6.11, Jesus says, But if any place refuses to welcome you or to listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. Again, Go where you're celebrated, Jesus says. Go where people appreciate your mission. Go where people want your prayers. Pray, pray for people. There are people that need prayers. And find them. And when I put those boards up, put a pin up there that represents them. And we're going to pray for them every single week during December. Uh, <clears throat> let me leave you with one last piece of encouragement. And I'm going to give you several little verses here to kind of glance at. The first is Acts 13, 11. The thing I want you to understand is yes, you can expect opposition and you can overcome it by going where you're celebrated because there are people who need your mission, who need what you're offering. They need your prayers. They need your gifts. They need your service. Okay, they need your invitation, right? But you must take encouragement from the fact that even despite their opposition, God's power will continue to be manifest in your life just as it was in Paul and Barnabas' life. As they went forward, they faced sorcery, they faced stoning, they faced all sorts of awful things. But at the same time, in the midst of that, people's lives were being changed and God was moving miraculously. Look at Acts 13, 11. Look at one of these things. Let me find it myself here. Um, Watch now, Paul says, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment on you, speaking to a sorcerer, and you will be struck blind and you will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. That's the sorcerer. When the governor saw what happened, he became a believer for he was astonished at the teaching of, about the Lord. Do you see the mix? Do you see the opposition and yet God's miraculous power rises up to overcome it and people are coming to know the Lord. Look at Acts 14.3. Look at there real quick. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. There's the opposition in verse 2. But the apostles stayed there for a long time preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord and the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. So we see the opposition and yet God's power rising up, being made manifest to meet it. I think that's amazing. Let's look at 9 and 10. 14, 9 and 10. While they were in Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached, looking straight at him. Paul realized he had faith to be healed, so Paul called to, them in, called to him in a loud voice, stand up, and the man jumped to his feet and started walking. And later down, you'll look just a little bit farther, and they'll see that they actually stoned him in that place, right? So opposition, and yet God's power is made manifest. And so you and I, we as a congregation, we as individuals, as we move forward, as we fulfill the prerequisites necessary for Christian mission, as we 
uh, become more godly and as we become good at, at what we do and what we have to offer to people, and as we become full of the Spirit, right, as we are, become strengthened in our own faith and we're willing to help others and we launch out through prayer and fasting and, and, and worship, God says, hey, I want you to do this. Or uh, uh, I'm telling you, you know, I'll give you a little assignments for the season of outreach. You know, we go and we do that and we face some opposition along the way. We have to understand that God's power will be made manifest in our lives despite that opposition. And people will come to know the Lord. People, despite all the, the haters and the fakers, as Taylor Swift would say, God's power is going to be made manifest in people who appreciate the message and appreciate what Christ has done. They will come to the forefront and we will see God's power made, man, made manifest. I think a lot of people, a lot of people ask the question, why don't we see miracles like that today? And I have to wonder if it's because not very many Christians are on mission. Not very many Christians are trying to move it forward. And so God's like, why? The miracles become more of a show than a necessity to prove that the gospel is true. Paul and Barnabas were preaching the gospel and God confirmed those, that message with miracles. Others were preaching things, but there weren't any miracles happening, right? That God's message was unique in that way. And so I just have to ask us and ask Christians and churches, anybody who listens to this and say, hmm, I wonder if we, if you all, they all are not experiencing miracles in, in their lives because not enough of us are on mission. Not enough of us are trying to push back the darkness with the light of the good news of Jesus Christ. Just gotta wonder. I think as we do that, the Holy Spirit will make the God's power manifest in our life and we will see miracles occur. Not for show, but to prove that what he is doing in us and through us is true. How many of you would like to see that? experience that. Amen. Stand with me. Let's pray today. Thank you for your attentiveness. Hopefully you got something today from the message. I know I did. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father God, we come before you. I thank you, Father, uh, in, in Jesus' name. I thank you for every person here. I am so thankful for this congregation and for the privilege of, of leading. And, and Lord, you, I pray that you would enable us to make Cornerstone Church the very best church experience anybody has ever had, big or small. Lord, I pray, just empower us, God. Continue to help us to move forward. We agree together. Send someone in to be our college group leader. Send someone someone in to, to work <clears throat> in our high school group as well. Call in those, those college age and those high school students too, and, and that they would have a place where they can be discipled here. God, we pray over that, that we could be fully prepared, fully prepared uh, to meet them and, and, and disciple them. <clears throat> we agree together over our season of outreach and um, we thank you for the privilege of, and the honor of serving in your name. Lord, And this week as we just move into Thanksgiving and probably get our Christmas decorations out, let just, not just the, the spirit of the holidays, God, but your spirit fill our lives. Fill our hearts and minds with so much gratefulness, regardless of the, the need or the lack in our own lives. Remind us of all we have to be thankful for, God. And out of that, let us be motivated to serve and, and give and pray and invite, uh, Lord, not just invite people to church, but invite people to know you and your life-changing power. We thank you, God. And go with each of us. Help us as we decorate the church this afternoon and there's a youth party and various things are going on. We just pray your blessings over that as well. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. You are loved. Give somebody a handshake, a high five, or a hug on your way out. And if you're staying out me with decorations, meet me right up here. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.